going to be looking at my thoughts, what I think about the Amanda Nunes and Megan Anderson fight that was just announced, what I thought about the Sean O'Malley situation, that'll be right at the end of the episode, and what I think about, you know, just a lot of things, a lot of things happened this week, you know, I can't think of everything, but stay tuned, just keep listening, you'll, you'll hear some things, it was a good week. For an MMA fan. Lots of things to talk about. So let's get right on into it. Alright, so this is a story that caught my attention. Amanda Nunes will defend her UFC featherweight title against Megan Anderson on December the 12th at UFC 256. This is maybe the most important fight in women's featherweight uh, history in UFC. This is kind of a make or break fight for the division. If Megan Anderson doesn't win, the division could be well and truly over. Because, listen, there aren't many people, you know, there aren't many women who can beat Amanda Nunes in that company. She steamrolled Felicia Spencer. She destroyed her. She didn't knock her out, but she comfortably beat her over five rounds. Was never in danger. Beat her in every single department. And do I think that Megan Anderson will be beaten in every single department? Yes. I don't think Megan Anderson stands much chance in this fight. Yes, she is my uh, fellow countrywoman. We actually are in the same state. She, I think she lives out over in America right now, but she is from Queensland, just like me. But, you know, let's not beat around the bush here. She is going to get steamrolled, in my opinion, because... Amanda Nunes, she can kind of do it all. She can knock you out. She is, you know, she's a great striker. We've seen that against Ronda Rousey, Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm. She also dominated Misha Tate. She's, and, you know, and a lot of these fights as well were at Bantamweight, except for the um, Chris Cyborg fight. But in her last two fights against Jermaine Durandamine, and Felicia Spence. She's shown more wrinkles to her game. She's shown that she can wrestle. That the work at American Top Team is working really well. Her wrestling in those two fights were immense. Nearly every takedown she got, she you know she succeeded on. She beat both women basically in the same way. And let's not say that Durandamine and Megan Anderson are the same. They're definitely not. You know, there's levels to this game. And, you know... So, when I was first thinking about this fight, I was thinking, well, maybe she will just wrestle her the whole time. But the more I see of Megan Anderson, you know, I don't think she has to worry about the feet too much. Because Megan Anderson, yes, she's done well in her UFC career. She hasn't done that well. But, you know, she's gotten to a point where she can have a featherweight title fight. That's fair enough. But Megan Anderson is not a... She's not a world-class striker. Her benefits and her strengths are her physicality, her physical side, her frame. Six feet tall. Very long. But she doesn't know how to use that length very well. She really isn't one of the best strikers in the UFC. She really isn't. She is... She's okay. She's fine. She gets away with it, but she is hittable, very hittable, 
we go back and look at her Invicta career, she's fighting people who are, you know, one and oh, and she's getting hit on the chin really easily. And listen, if Amanda Nunes hits you on the chin, you're going down. You are going down. Let's hope that Amanda Nunes doesn't hit you on the chin. But even so, even if Amanda Nunes starts to struggle on the feed, which I don't think she will, but even then, she has a grappling game which is far superior. Far superior. And yes, Megan Anderson does have those incredibly long legs. Very short torso. Very long legs. Very long arms. But listen, Amanda Nunes is a decorated black belt in her own right. She isn't going to have many problems on the ground with Megan Anderson. So, Megan Anderson is kind of like Henry Cejudo right now. She's got the weight of the division on her shoulders, in my opinion. Because, yes, Dana White said we're looking at more women to bring into the UFC featherweights uh, division. But, really, I mean, who is there? Apart from Chris Cyborg, Felicia Spence, Megan Anderson. Really, who is there that can pose a challenge to Amanda Nunes, who isn't a blown-up bantamweight? Like, I can't think of one. Not one person. So, I really think, if Megan Anderson doesn't win this fight, that this could be trouble. This division could be over. So, I'm expecting the featherweight division after this fight to be over. She, I think Amanda Nunes will retire that belt because there's just no, no one at that weight class who can beat her, in my opinion. Chris Cyborg maybe can, but she's at Bellator now. And this could be a good thing for Bellator as well. Having exclusive rights to the featherweight division. Yes, it's probably the weakest division in all of MMA, male and female. But to have exclusive rights to one division that your competitor does not have, that's only a good thing, right? To have people like Chris Cyborg and maybe Megan Anderson, Felicia Spence, can move over to Bellator to fight Chris Cyborg. To get these fights that people, they'll be interested in. I'm sure they will be. So I'm sure Bellator will be looking at this on December and maybe hoping Amanda Nunes wins. So that UFC can retire this division. Because I sincerely think, I don't know for sure, you know, this podcast is called I Know Nothing About MMA. So I don't know anything at the moment. (laughs) I don't know anything. But... It is likely that this is going to happen because, again, who is there? Someone please enlighten me. Who is there? You know, the UFC women's featherweight division is probably the weakest division in all of MMA. Not just in all of UFC, but in all of MMA. Even the atomweight division, you know, is a lot better. You look at the people in Asia, uh, even in Invicta, you know, and then you can move up to straw weight. I mean, there's lots of things you can do at Adam weight. But at featherweight, you're really capped. You are sincerely capped. And maybe the biggest fight for Amanda Nunes after this is... I don't know, she's beaten everyone, hasn't she? She really has beaten everyone. So maybe the biggest fight for her is either, you know, a trilogy with Valentina Shevchenko or... She fights Claresha Shields, the female boxer, the undefeated boxer, two-time Olympian, two-time Olympic gold medalist. She fights her in one of these special matches. And that will be 
from what I see, from what I'm looking at Claresha Shields, this will be under MMA rules. Because Claresha Shields is learning grappling. She wants this fight. And she wants it in the UFC. I think she wants to prove to people that she's the best women's fighter on the planet. So that fight could happen too. That would be a great fight for Amanda Nunes in terms of legacy, in terms of having that weird freak show fight that, uh, you know, McGregor versus Mayweather. Obviously, it won't be as big or anything. You know, it'll be tiny in comparison, but it'll be good for the history of women's combat sports to have an event like that. Or maybe Amanda Nunes can go and fight Katie Taylor. Who knows? The world is her oyster. So... I don't give Megan Anderson in this uh, UFC 256 featherweight title match any hope. I really don't. I think after this fight, the belt gets retired. That would probably be the smart man's choice. Because who is there? Really, guys, think about that. Put a list down now of everyone Amanda Nunes has beaten... You know, because really, it's all—it's just going to be um, Holly Holm part two, and she's already knocked her out. You know, so it's like, do you want to see that? You know, it, maybe they can say, but this time it's at featherweight. You know, but I don't want to watch that. Okay, it's going to be boring. So, yes, it's a big match for UFC women's featherweights. If Megan Anderson wins, which I highly doubt it, I highly, highly doubt it. You know, and look, and if she wins, everyone can laugh at me. That's it's that's the sport, that's the game. But listen, I don't think so. And Megan Anderson these days has been a lot more of a of an analyst, rather. Sorry, I nearly said analystist. An analyst for UFC, for ESPN, also doing Invicta commentary. So she might be settling into that role now, a post-fight role you know, um, retiring from fighting and doing that role. Because, listen, featherweight, women's featherweights is a... It's not the best division to be in. And I hardly believe she can cut down to 135. That would be a terrible cut for her. Hey, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Aspen Ladd can come up and fight Nunes. But do you want to watch that? No. I, I, I No, I'd rather retire that division, okay? So that's just my thoughts on that fight. That's my thoughts on the UFC women's featherweight division as well. You know, a bit of a dead division. Let's be honest, guys. Let's be totally honest. So, yes, let's get on to the next story now. All right, on to the next story. I love this story, actually. This is probably my favorite story of the week. Leon Edwards versus Jorge Masvidal. The talk is heating up. Now, let's just read what Leon Edwards said to Jorge Masvidal, the tweets he wrote to him, because these are great tweets, guys. These are fucking awesome tweets. Shout out to Leon Edwards, man. This guy's a monster. He wrote, I'm ranked above and heading for my ninth win in a row, so you know it gets you closer to the title beating me. He's talking to Jorge Masvidal. But keep hiding behind that it does nothing for us excuse, and your whole bitch-made team keep using outs. You know I'll fuck you up. Nice. I think he will too, guys. <laughs> and uh, let's just read the next tweet before I keep talking. Has everyone realized the whole street Jesus hard man shit was all just marketing yet? Good point. 
And Gamebred Fighter is actually a shit journeyman. <laughs> Holy shit, that's awesome. Or people still think he's good. Fuck it, Jorge. Let's fight no money. Mutual location. Film it. Bang it on YouTube. Public will see you're a pussy. Hashtag let's get it. Guys, how can you hate Leon Edwards? Seriously, how can you hate that guy? What did he say wrong there? These guys, if this is a great fight to put on, really. There's history with these two guys, obviously after the UFC London card, where Hoy Masvidal um, was doing an interview and Leon Edwards was talking some shit, he was talking some hot shit, and Masvidal just kind of assaulted him. He wasn't ready for it, he just punched him. Which, and he, you know, that's kind of a dog move, in my opinion. That's a bit of a bitch move. You know, he really was not ready for it. And he just punched him. What a bitch. That's seriously... Yeah. Wasn't too happy about that, to be honest. And he got... Um, he didn't get punished for that. <laughs> Quite the opposite, actually. He got supported. He got... Um, he got benefits because of that. A three-piece and a soda. He even went on Ariel Hawani. And Hawani was kind of bigging him up for it. When really, we all should have been like, dude, what the fuck's wrong with you? You know, you get paid to fight. What are you doing? Like, you literally get paid to fight. So, there is history between these two. This would be a good fight to put on. One man is stopping this fight from happening, and one man is not stopping this fight from happening. Can we guess who is who? Yes, Hoy Masvidal is the person stopping this fight from happening. And Leon Edwards is saying, come on, let's do this. I'm tired of waiting. And I really do believe this will be a hard matchup for Jorge Masvidal. And that's why Jorge Masvidal does not want this fight. Because, not that it does nothing for him, but... Look, if he beats Leon Edwards, it's good for him. It gets him closer to the title. It it probably gives him another title shot. Because Leon Edwards, he's probably next up after Gilbert Burns. Like, if we want to think about this rationally. And yes, this is a business, so... We can hardly think about this rationally, you know. This is not a rational sport. It's whoever, you know, it's whoever makes more dollars and cents. That's what makes the most sense in this business. And for Leon Edwards, a win against Hoy Masvidal would do him a world of good. And Hoy Masvidal losing against Leon Edwards, that would not do him a world of good. And I love what he says here. Has anyone realized that whole Street Jesus hard man shit was all just marketing? Very true. It, it kind of was. I mean, he backed it up three times in a row. Yes. He won big. That certainly helps. But I think it's Kamara Usman. He just deflated, didn't he? Especially after the fight. He kind of just deflated. He, um... You know, was thanking him for the fight and saying he fought a beautiful fight. What? Excuse me? Street Jesus? Are you saying that? Are you sure? So, he missed his chance getting another title shot against Kamara Usman. That boat has sailed. It's long gone. If he wanted that title shot, he could have said, this guy fought like a fucking pussy. I'm going to beat this guy. I'm going to hurt this guy. But he didn't. He was a nice guy about it all, which kind of doesn't bode well for the gimmick he's created in the last a year or so. 
So this fight makes a lot of sense. Leon Edwards versus Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> Honestly, I think Leon Edwards wins this fight. I think it's very telling that Leon Edwards wants this fight and Jorge Masvidal doesn't want this fight. It's the same as Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. Colby Covington really wants that fight and Jorge Mas- Masvidal does not want that fight. So who do you think who do you think won the grappling exchanges at American Top Team? I'm going to go on a limb and say our man Colby won it, you know. I'm pretty sure he might have. You know, Jorge Masvidal has given himself a new lease on life the last year. You know, his career has gotten a second wind. He was kind of floundering before his win against Darren Till. And his fortunes changed. But it's not always like that in this business. You have to keep the momentum going. And his momentum crashed against Kamara Usman. Yes, he was on a six-day camp. Yes, he did not have any time to prepare for this fight, but it was not the fight itself. It was his reaction after the fight, which really took the air out of them having a rematch. He was saying stuff like, you know, again, oh, what a beautiful fight. Oh, he's a good champion. I'm sorry to my daughter. What? Seriously? You're calling him a crotch niffer and all this shit for, for ages and then it's, oh, he fought a beautiful fight? When you hold you up against the fence for about 20 minutes? What's wrong with you, dude? So, Hoy Masvidal either needs his fight against Leon Edwards or against Colby Covington. And Colby Covington is going to have a fight against Tyron Woodley soon. Depending on how that goes, he could be suspended from competition. It depends how easily or how tough the fight is. You know, it depends how easily he wins or... If the fight's a tough fight, he could get suspended. So he'll be out for another long while. So this really is the only fight they can make. And it's a good fight to make, guys. They have history. Go back to that UFC London card. Well, everyone knows about it. Everyone knows about the three-piece in a soda. That was Leon Edwards who got hit. And he got assaulted. It was a bitch move by Jorge Masvidal to punch him um, without him even knowing he was going to get punched. That's really what happened. So, again, and he kind of showed his character there as well. Yes, he was hyped up after knocking out Darren Till, but it's kind of a pussy move. Is it pussy for Leon Edwards to talk shit? No, he's a fighter. You talk shit, but we get paid to fight. You don't go beating up people backstage, assaulting people backstage. It's... It's not on. You get paid to fight, man. Go back to fucking Kimbo Slice's backyard if you want to do that shit, man. But you're getting paid here. You're getting paid a lot of money. So he should have been reprimanded for that. He really should have instead of being, um, you know, supported and held up in such esteem. So, yes, this is a fight that makes a lot of sense. Leon Edwards versus Hoy Masvidal. In my opinion, Leon Edwards would win that fight. I think he's definitely going to win that fight. Hoy Masvidal, sure, he could catch him. He's a good he's a good striker. He's, he's a very creative striker. He's very versatile in his attacks. But Leon Edwards has shown an incredibly well-rounded game. And he's on, as he says, a nine... Um, he's on an eight-fight winning streak, looking for his ninth win in a row. So this does a lot for both men. Yes, Leon Edwards isn't exactly the biggest name, but if he beats Hawaii Masvidal, he's a name. 
We're never going to say that again. We're never going to say who's Leon Edwards again if he beats Jorge Masvidal. And I say, listen, if that fight gets announced, Leon Edwards is probably the bookie's favorite. If he's not, I hope a lot of people bet on Leon Edwards because the way I see it, Leon Edwards is a much more well-rounded fighter. He can take the steam out of Jorge Masvidal. His fight IQ is very good. So yeah, that's my thoughts on this fight. Will it happen? I don't know. But it won't be for the want of Leon Edwards trying. Leon Edwards will try to make this fight happen. But Jorge Masvidal, on the other hand, probably doesn't want this fight. If I'm Dana White, I'm telling him this is the only fight that makes sense. Take this fight or sit out. And you're not getting another title fight unless you beat a contender. Be stern. And if Jorge Masvidal wants to retire again, retire, buddy. His image is kind of deflated after what he said in the Kamara Usman fight, in my opinion anyway. He let himself down a lot. Not in the performance. I thought he fought really well. I thought Kamara Usman is the dominant champion. He basically is the GSP of this generation. So losing a shutout like he did, fair play. It doesn't really matter. But it's what happened after the fight, which is so disappointing. That really deflated the image of Jorge Masvidal. The image he's cultivated for such a long time. Kind of let him down. But let's see if this fight takes place. Who knows? Might not take place. Might take place. Who knows? So let's get on to the next story. Great story that was, wasn't it? Leon Edwards versus Jorge Masvidal. Let's hope it happens. Yes, let's get on to the next story. All right, the next story here is that Aljamain Sterling will be fighting Petrian next for the Bantamweight uh, title. Petrian, this will be his first defense of the UFC Bantamweight title. And a lot was made before this, mostly by Aljamain Sterling, that he thought he wasn't getting a fair shake. He thought that the UFC were holding him back a little bit and that his road was not clear and that the UFC rankings were a load of shit, which they are. But he should already know that as a professional, that UFC rankings are a pretty suspect. But he's getting this title shot. I don't know if his tweets and his moaning and all this stuff got him over the line. And listen, Aljamain Sterling definitely deserves this title shot, 100%. There's no question about that. He is the rightful contender. He defeated Corey Sandhagen in a, you know, emphatically. He beat him in the first round by a submission, and Sandhagen was coming in on a nice win streak. So he definitely deserves this title shot. He is getting this title shot. This was the only fight for Petrian that made sense, and Petrian hasn't really been running from this fight. He's been tweeting at Aljamain Sterling. He's been The tweets have been kind of funny. They've been tweeting really weird things at each other, especially Petrian. So this fight will be taking place. I'm not sure when it will be taking place. But Petrian is a fucking monster. He is such a monster. And Aljamain Sterling is going to be in for a tough night. Because Petrian is not not Corey Sandhagen, sorry. He's going to be in for a tough night, I think. Yes, Aljamain Sterling has been winning well. Yes, he has been winning, you know, in good fashion as well. But so has Petrian. Yeah, I think the bookies will make Petrian favorite for this fight, as they should. I don't know the lines for this fight or the betting lines, but I'm assuming Petrian is the favorite. And 
you know, I always expected Aljamain Sterling to get this uh, opportunity. Even when he was making all those tweets, even when he was saying, oh, why, why isn't my star shining? Or so he, he said something like that. Or Yeah, he, he made a comment about the rankings being a load of shit, which is true. But he should recognize that, hey, I'm in line next. Chill out a bit, you know. But, you know, I know this is the fight game and opportunities come, opportunities go. It's, you know, as I was talking about before in the Jorge Masvidal section, it's all about momentum. And you need to capitalize on the momentum. And with this title shot, him getting the title shot after beating Corey Sandhagen, he is capitalizing on that momentum. So this will be a good fight. I'm leaning towards Petriana after what I've seen him do to a lot of opponents. I think he might do the same to Aljamain Sterling. He's definitely not scared of this fight. You know, he's not scared of Aljamain Sterling. He's not running from Aljamain Sterling. He wants this fight. He's a good champion. I expect him to be champion for a long time. I expect him to be a dominant champion at 135. In a division that's totally stacked. Like, totally stacked. There's so many great fighters at 135. It's probably one of the more interesting divisions in the UFC at the moment. And, in my opinion, Petriyan... He stands alone. He is an incredible champion. You know, he hasn't even defended his belt yet, and I'm calling him a, an incredible champion because, listen, he is the rightful champion. What he did to Jose Aldo, yes, the stoppage was disgustingly late, like disgustingly, but he, he broke the man. He broke Jose Aldo and put him in a ball. Yes, the fight was very close for four rounds, a very great fight, but something had to give. And when it gave, the dam broke. He broke him. And I expect Petrian to win this fight against Aljamain Sterling and cement himself as the top dog at 135, which I think he will. So that's my thoughts on that fight. Will be a good fight. I'm leaning towards Petrian. And let's get on to the next story. All right, the next story we have is that Tony Ferguson will be making a return, probably, not confirmed, but he's probably going to be making a return against Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Poirier is coming off that win against Dan Hooker, an absolute war of a fight. If the fight between Yojacek and Wei Li Zhang didn't take place, this was probably going to be the best fight of the year. I mean, there's a lot of this year still to go. Well, not really, actually. You know, we're we're getting through it quite uh, fast, actually. But that was an absolute war of a fight. And obviously, Tony Ferguson's coming off that loss to Justin Gaethje. And really, during that fight, he got he, he got hurt in that fight. He Tony Ferguson looked like he fought Tony Ferguson. He got battered, and he got battered on the feet. So, I honestly see that fight, you know, and I'm a huge Tony Ferguson fan, but I see that fight going similar to how the Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson fight went. It's going to be mostly a standing affair. You know, and Tony Ferguson isn't the type of uh, wrestler who likes to use takedowns. He only really goes on the ground when the fight goes to the ground. So if Dustin Poirier doesn't want to take this fight to the ground... There aren't many avenues for Tony Ferguson to take to get that fight to the ground. So I see this being very similar to the Justin Gaethje-Tony Ferguson fight. I see this being a war. 
I see this being, yeah, a bloody fight, a maximum violence fight. And I do see Dustin Poirier winning this fight. I really do. I don't see... I see Tony Ferguson having the same problems because Dustin Poirier is a fantastic boxer. He's a wonderful boxer. He showed that in the fight against Daniel Hooker. He showed that in the fight against Max Holloway. And yes, Tony Ferguson can use the pressure that he always uses to corner Dustin Poirier. But even in that way, I don't think this is going to be... I really do believe it's going to be very similar to the Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson fight. I don't think Dustin Poirier and Ferguson will be wrestling a lot. And that's maybe something that Tony Ferguson and his team should work on is using avenues to get this fight to the ground. Because I do believe that Tony Ferguson, off his back especially, is such an unorthodox and creative fighter that he does pose challenges to even fighters like Habib. Because he is crazy like a fox. Because he is so, yeah, just versatile and um, he's just crazy. You know, he, uh, and that's why I really do love, still, I still do love the Tony Ferguson versus Habib fight. Because I do believe Tony Ferguson poses a unique challenge to Habib that he has not fought before. But even then... I still do think Dustin Poirier will win this fight and he might run away with the fight. He might use his boxing to keep Tony Ferguson at bay. But listen, this is MMA. Anything could happen. I really hope that Tony Ferguson and his camp look into taking this fight to the ground. You know, and you have to practice that. You have to prepare for that to take the fight to the ground, especially if he wants to do things like pull guard and stuff like that. You have to really prepare for that. You have to really work on that. So I do see this being a straight kickboxing match, essentially. Straight stand-up war. And I see Dustin Poirier taking it. I can't see any other... I don't see any other way maybe this fight goes, unless Tony Ferguson is going to train to take this fight to the ground and i don't know if he's really like that i don't know if he's he's a crazy guy i don't know if he's going to structure his training to really maximize his best chances in this fight which i do believe uh off his back in grappling situations but dustin poirier trains out of american top team some of the best grapplers in the world are there so obviously he has a lot of experience grappling some of the best grapplers in the world, some of the best wrestlers in the world, especially. And Tony Ferguson does have a background in collegiate wrestling. However, he doesn't really use his wrestling that much. So I don't know if his... I don't want to say his skills have deteriorated, but I don't know if they've taken a backward step during his career. So this will be a very interesting fight, though. Can't wait for this fight. This will be an amazing fight. If it happens, Dana White said it probably will happen. So obviously there's no confirmation, but it's just something I would like to talk about. So yeah, let's get on to the next story now. All right, now let's do our in defense of Sean O'Malley portion. Sean O'Malley has been coming under a lot of criticism lately after his loss to Marlon Chito Vera. And I just wanted to talk about this because... I really believe this is the hive mind mentality of MMA fans at work again. They do this all the time. 
I feel like a lot of the people who are hating on Sean O'Malley right now are the ones who in the past were writing for Sean O'Malley, really wanted him to succeed, or they're the people who really wanted to see him fall, really wanted to see him fail, and now that he is not quote-unquote humbling himself, he is a total quote-unquote douchebag or something. Listen, this guy's a fighter. These guys have egos. He doesn't feel that that was the cleanest victory in the world. Yes, Marlon Chirovera came in and he hurt his leg. He calf kicked him and his leg gave out. Sure, that's fine. But this wasn't the cleanest win in the world. If you go back and watch that fight and you go back and you look at Marlon Chirovera before Sean O'Malley's injury and then Marlon Vera after Sean O'Malley's injury, the confidence contrasted between the two. Before the, the leg injury, Marlon Chitavera was biting on every single feint. He was a little bit worried in there. He was getting nervous. And then, after the leg injury, he just showed Sean O'Malley no respect. Because he knew he was injured. And Herb Dean knew he was injured. That's why he stopped the fight when he stopped the fight. Because he could not continue because of the injury. I really want to see this fight ran back. And again, I'm not a huge Sean O'Malley guy. Do I think Sean O'Malley is a good prospect? Absolutely. I think you'd be kidding yourself if you didn't think so. Because if you looked at that fight before the leg break, or the leg injury rather, O'Malley was scaring him a lot. He, you know, Marlon Vera was biting on every single feint. He was kind of worried about what was happening. And he felt the power of... Sean O'Malley even said so much after the fight that, yeah, he's a powerful guy. But my shit is stronger than his or something. And then he's saying other things like, um, I want to move on to bigger and better things like Jimmy Rivera. Look, Jimmy Rivera is a, a great fighter. He's a top guy. But he's not bigger. He's not a bigger fighter than Sean O'Malley, especially a rematch. Because this fight ended in controversial circumstances. This was not the cleanest win of Marlon Vera's career. Was it the biggest win of his career? Absolutely. But was it the cleanest win of his career? No. There's still some unfinished business there. And I don't think that Sean O'Malley should be humbling himself right now. I think he's actually approaching this the right way. And to people who say that his corner man is a yes man or his lead trainer is a yes man... Listen, let me just tell you a story about Mike Tyson. We told you a story about Mike Tyson on the last episode about when Lennox Lewis asked him to be his co-man event feature and he said no. When he was just starting up, when Customato found this kid, Customato was trainer, that is, when he found Mike Tyson as a 13, 14-year-old, he used to tell him, you're going to be the best fighter on the planet. You are going to be an amazing fighter. You are going to be this, that, this... You, you know, and you might say, well, that's just building false confidence in someone. But to be one of the greatest, to be the greatest, you need to have people around you who tell you you're going to be the greatest. Because sometimes you don't build that confidence yourself. If you do build that confidence yourself, more power to you. But a lot of the time, it's because people have good support systems around them. People have trainers, family, friends, coaches, who believe in them, who believe in their ability and back them to a, you know, a hilt. That's what it's all about, guys. That's how people succeed. Having good support systems, having people who believe in you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's 
Conan Man isn't a yes man. You know, I think the idea of a yes man is... I think it must be misconstrued in people's mind what a yes man really is. Because his quarter man for thinking he's going to be a world champion one day isn't a yes man. That's not. That's what corner men do. That's what coaches do to build confidence in their fighter. Okay? So I don't want to hear this shit that he's a yes man. You know, and this is just, again, the nature of the sport as well. This is just how the sport is. You're only as good as your last fight in this sport. Marlon Vera, he's on an incredible high right now. But trust me, if he loses his next fight, people are going to say, oh, he wasn't that good. Well, he wasn't that good. You know, you're only as good as your last fight in this business. Ask Israel Adesanya. What did people think after the Yoel Romero fight? People thought, people thought that he fought like a coward. That he ran away. That he didn't engage. But if he has a wonderful performance against Paolo Costa, all those bad feelings, they dissipate. They go away. Because this is the nature of the business. So, this is my in-defense portion of Sean O'Malley. Sugar Sean O'Malley, who's coming off a loss, albeit a controversial loss in my opinion. Yes, there is still unfinished business in my opinion. And yes, I do believe when Sean O'Malley is healed, when he's ready, he needs to run it back. With Marlon Vera. Because that fight makes the most sense business-wise. And it makes the most sense for these fighters. You know, just for the fighters themselves. It really does. And I heard Ben Askren say that... Um, Sugar Sean O'Malley was a bit of a bitch for going out on a stretcher. Listen, Ben. I'm a big Ben Askren guy, but listen, you're retired now. Yes, you had that fight against Damien Meyer, but the night you got smashed in the head by Jorge Masvidal, you retired that night. Mentally, you checked out. Alright? You were checked out. So I don't want to hear him calling anyone a bitch in this sport. And this is just a controversial opinion he has to... You know, and not even a controversial opinion, sorry. This is not a controversial opinion. This is an uh, like a hive mind opinion right now. That Sean O'Malley quit, he, um, you know, he's weak and he's all these things. Yes, he could be frail. Sure, his body could be frail, but is he weak and did he quit? No, he really wanted to fight. He stood on that leg for as much as he could until he could not stand anymore. So if Marlon Vera thinks that going to Jimmy Rivera is the bigger and better thing, then really he doesn't even understand his own business. Sure, get a win against Jimmy Rivera, but no one gives a fuck about Jimmy Rivera. No offense to Jimmy Rivera. Great fighter. Really good fighter. Had a great fight with Petrian, who I just spoke about as being... A dominant champion. Hasn't even defended his belt. But listen, after that performance against Jose Aldo, he is a dominant champion, okay? But Jimmy Rivera is not Sean O'Malley. Yes, he may be ranked higher than Sean O'Malley, but that doesn't not that does not matter. It does not matter if someone is ranked higher or lower. It really doesn't. So Marlon Vera. Get the thumb out of your ass and let's put this fight on between you and Sugar Sean O'Malley. The repeat, the rerun.
because I want to see it. I bet if that fight's announced, the world wants to see it. I know there'll be people say, but he beat him the first time. But come on, guys. He didn't spark him out, yeah? Let's not act like this guy got sparked out. If Sean O'Malley loses a second time, then that's it. Marlon Vera is the better fighter, but after watching what I watched at UFC 252, I don't know if that's true. So, yes, that's my thoughts on Sugar Sean O'Malley. That's my in-defense portion. You can agree with it or not. I don't really care. It's my opinion. Whatever. And, yes, let's get on to the final story of the day. Alright, last story of the day. Dana White will be speaking at the Republican National Convention. And all I have to say about that really is this. (coughs) 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 (coughs)